San Francisco, New York, Miami, Venice, Barcelona, Contra? That's right. Today we're talking about ports, the best of and worst of. Today on... All right, everybody, hello and welcome back to Press Beauty Cancel. My name is Guy Prime, a.k.a. GP, and I am here with uh, three of my four best friends. Uh, we are sans, uh, not sick Jake, sorry, sans chard monk today. So we're going to start with sick Jake. I'm looking at sick Jake. So that's why I'm you're not even okay. here. It's okay. It's all right. Oh, you are here. We need Gosh. you here. That's why we call you daddy. So sick Jake. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thank you very much. And my good friend, Werewolf, say hello, sir. Hello, sir. Also, we've decided to include Sinistar, as always, because we love him. Welcome back, Sinistar. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so very much for asking. Literally nobody else asked, so I appreciate that. So back to the episode. Uh, today, guys, we are talking about... <laughs> Arcade games, I'm sorry, arcade games that have been ported for better or for worse to consoles. Uh, who did it better? Who did it worse? And let's let's talk about that. I'll start us off. Uh, I, okay, Captain America and the Avengers. This is one of those arcade games I grew up playing in the arcade, which seems redundant to say it, but there it is. It's a side-scrolling beat-em-up, uh, kind of like X-Men for the arcade as well, but it's themed with Captain America and the Avengers, which in this context is uh, Vision and Hawkeye and Iron Man. I never played this one. The music is iconic. The voice acting is exactly what you want it to be for 90s arcade games. I don't know what Capcom the plot is. Or is this uh, Konami? Data East put this one together. What? Ah. Really? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Interesting. And okay. So the, the voice acting, okay, so here's the thing. They ported it to the Super Nintendo, I believe the Genesis, so I never played that. They also put it on Game Gear. So I want to talk about the Super Nintendo and the Game Gear versions because those are the ones I'm more familiar with. Uh, so the arcade, like I said, it's, it's everything an arcade cabinet should be, four-player, fun, exciting, very bright colors, poor voice acting, but that's a limitation of the technology of the time. Uh <laughs> And I don't necessarily know if the Super Nintendo one is like copy and paste, same plot as the arcade one. I know some of the voice acting is a little bit different, but uh, anybody who grew up playing this on the Super Nintendo, just hearing your person saying, okay, go, it is to me even more iconic than Sega, which I hope we don't get struck for that. Uh, think so that's why the band called themselves that? I don't know if that's where the band got the name. If you're out there and you're part of okay, go, let us know. Also, thank you for listening. Yes, Sinistar. So you, you brought up, I wanted to comment because, uh, you know, my, my, my moniker is Sinistar. It's up there behind me somewhere. Um, and, and the reason that I chose that is the arcade game, which I'm not talking about today, but the arcade game Sinistar. And the reason is because when I was, you know, a wee lad, I remember going into probably a pizza place back when they used to have pizza places and they used to have fill them with arcade games. 
and hearing that digitized voice, I am Sinistar. Mm. You know, so, so good. You know, along that lines of hearing your you know character say, "Okay, go." Oh, so I mean, yeah, and I, I don't want to dominate too much here, but for me, the "Okay, go" thing or "Leave it to me," which I think is what the arcade one was, those are as iconic as what was the other one I loved. Oh, the special power that uh, Colossus has in X-Men. He like flexes <laughs> off his metal skin and like, and it's like yeah. so good. But it's, you know, just these things from my childhood that will immediately take me back to Godfather's Pizza. I thought you were going to mention Bart and Lisa running around holding hands screaming. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know if you yeah. guys are going to be bringing up the Simpsons, but yes, Simpsons Arcade, chef's kiss. So good. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's not the longest game, the Captain America one, uh, in the arcade, which is kind of shocking. If you're good enough at it, you can get through it uh, in 20, 30 minutes for a relatively small amount of quarters. Uh, I find that the ports for the Super Nintendo uh, are a little bit more difficult and then even more difficult still, uh, the game Gear, which it's, you know, that, that game uh, telephone where you tell somebody something and then it goes all the way around the room. So by the time it comes back around to you, it's completely different. That is kind of like what it is going from the arcade to the Super Nintendo to the Game Gear. It's still there, but I mean, <laughs> it's it's a bit different than the original. So, so it actually got harder on the on the console ports. Yes, uh, in my memory of it, uh, in my estimation. Which you could attribute to the inch and a half tall screen. I don't really know. Mm. Maybe it's because of the size of the screen. But uh, no, you're you're a bit more limited in, you know, the X and the Y of it when it comes to the Game Gear as opposed to the maneuverability of a four-person game, which is now just a one-person game. I got to say, GP, looking at the... Sorry, sister, go ahead. I was going to say the reason I asked is because obviously arcade games were meant to be, you know, quarter grabbers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, again, I don't know that the intent was to make it more difficult. I think it's just a, a byproduct of the limitations of of what you can do. And again, I'm kind of a wonky person when it comes to video game skills. Uh, so it could just be, it, it's easier for most people, but I'm just kind of stupid when it comes to the game gear. I got to say, though, I'm just looking at the video. I'm flicking between the arcade, the SNES, and the game gear versions. I mean, the game gear version is rough, but it's the game gear <laughs> But the SNES and the arcade versions, they look actually very similar for what they are. So you said maybe the plot may be different? I say maybe because I really don't know. I, I don't think okay. I really ever took the time to read through it or know what I'm doing. Because with this, you don't really necessarily need, at least I didn't, a whole heck of a lot of plot. It was mostly just uh, go this direction to this direction. Oh, you're flying or, you know, pick stuff up, throw it, use your special weapon. You know, there's really not a big difference between all the characters. Uh, I don't know. So it, it's all the same. It's a lot of the same, but it's fun. I still don't know the the plot of Double Dragon because you literally just walk the screen and beat people up. Like, what else is there? I think there's right. a girl involved, maybe. Yeah, thankfully they didn't try to do any plot twists. I mean, isn't the, the further into the franchise you get, isn't it all yeah. plot twists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> Um, I'm looking at this Game Gear version of this, and honestly, it doesn't look all that bad when you consider. I'm pretty sure the Game Gear was built on similar architecture as the Master System, mm. and yeah, you know, when you take the technology into consideration, it actually looks like a half decent game. 
Oh, it was a lot of fun. And I chalk it up to the color palette and I guess kind of the character <laughs> designs, but it's a very vibrant game on all three versions. And I, I think that really helps. The spirit's definitely definitely there when you look at the sprites. Yeah. Like it's different, but it's definitely the same spirit. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this looks like a great game. I think I might have played a little bit of this in the arcades, mm -hmm. but I don't think I got very far. <laughs> but I like this, the four different characters. I like how the SNES version has those same four characters as well. That's really mm -hmm. awesome. This is like a great looking port, to be honest. This is this is awesome. Right. Which I'm I'm excited later on to talk about my not great port. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought this was a good place to start. Uh, fond memories for me. And I really thought about even doing X-Men, but gun to my head, I don't really remember. I remember the X-Men arcade game. I don't know if they did a direct port of that to the Super Nintendo. Did they? Do you guys remember? So. Konami? I don't, I don't think so. There's, there's so many kind of bad X-Men games on the consoles uh, until you get to the Super Nintendo. But I, I didn't remember the arcade version being on there, so. Well, you don't like the LGN games? LGN <laughs> X-Men, it's great, right? Oh, sh were we supposed to? I didn't, okay. <laughs> so was the cabinet laid out like uh, uh, an X-Men or a Simpsons in the arcade where you had that kind of wide console so that you had the four sticks? Yes. Yeah, four in an arc. And I want to say double screen, but I'm not 100% okay. on that. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Yeah, those ultra widescreen arcade games were always kind of just exciting to catch oh, the, for sure. catch your yeah. eye when you first saw them and then you see four people ganged up around it playing in unison and it's like holy crap right now, now i remember specifically like as time went on you would end up with one screen that would like start to dim more than the other and you could see them when you'd walk into the arcade mm -hmm. there'd be and you you could still play but it was definitely a bright screen and a dim screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah sure sure <laughs> But well, the, story of, uh, the story of me, a bright screen, then a dim screen. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's just the lighting. We can adjust that. It's fine. Tangentially, I would like to mention, uh, I once, so there's this arcade I used to go to a lot as a kid. I believe I mentioned it in the past. Castle Park was the, the location in Southern California. And uh, I loved playing Pac-Man as a kid. So, like I said, tangent. Well, I went back to that arcade probably about five years ago. And I think they still had that original Pac-Man machine from when I was a kid. Oh, wow. <laughs> there was so <laughs> much so much burn-in from everything on the screen, the mazes, the dots, all that. And so when you got outside of the first maze and the maze got changed up, you still saw dots from the previous level. And if you had <laughs> eaten dots, you still kind of saw them there. It was a mess. <laughs> well, you're telling me there's more than one maze in Pac-Man? Didn't it get changed up a little bit from stage know. to stage, or did it not? I did, no, but there I, I was different variations now. of the game. There's like different variants, like yeah. not ROM packs, but whatever they equivalent oh, okay. for arcades. Well, was. then maybe it was just the dots were left over, and I was like, "What the hell is yeah. happening?" I didn't even realize there was more than one stage. Okay, so maybe here I'm I thinking was... of Miss Pac-Man because I think Miss Pac-Man changes up the stages. Okay, okay, very cool. Well, so oh, okay, who wants to go next for their? It's a brilliant break. segue, GP, actually. <laughs> um, Is it? I, I felt can, like I... Yeah. I can do mine. Uh, okay. Crazy Taxi. Oh, okay. Tell us all about it. So, so uh, this is a game that I remember I first saw at the arcades, and I was totally excited by this, right? My buddy took me to the arcade. It was at Gameworks, and they had Crazy Taxi, and he was like, you got to try this. You got to try this game. So we went over and played it, and, you know, you 
put in your quarters and start up the game, and the first thing you hear is offspring screaming at you, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> so already you're in high gear as soon as the game starts. And I know this game gets a like I know I know offspring gets a lot of hate from sometime from people sometimes, like not to the degree of nickelback by any means, but some people are like, Offspring, ah, and I'm like, no, offspring. It gets you in the mood for Crazy Taxi. I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm not an Offspring fan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, especially when but, they uh, when they ripped off the uh, the intro from Def Leppard. Ah, uh, but I, uh, yeah. if it's not only game, that, though. yeah, but the yeah. soundtrack. It's not just Offspring. It's also Bad Religion. And mm, that's I yeah, may not I look religion. like it, but Bad Religion is one of my favorite bands of all time. So <laughs> that's that um, was that was super exciting. Who's the front man for Bad Religion again? It was what's his uh, name? Greg. I can't think of his last name right now. He's a voice actor, a poet. He's like he's like everything, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, another tangent. Uh, they sorry, all yeah. quit the band for a few years and went to college and got actual degrees in various fields in case the really? band ended up not working out later. God, what's his name? I gotta find it. <laughs> Nothing says is, I have confidence like, in my project. Like I'm gonna leave no, but, for a minute to get a degree. How punk is that? Like they're a punk band and (laughs) they make it big. And then they're like, fuck this. We're going to go do, we're going to go to school for a while. And then they come back and continue doing it. Like they are so punk that they brought school around to punk. Right. (laughs) I've done so many things in my life incorrectly. (laughs) So this game, it's built in like, at least the arcade map is built around the idea of San Francisco. And it's so much fun. Like, you can apparently actually do what's called a crazy dash in the arcade game. I've never been able to do it, where you let off the gas, kick it into reverse, kick it back into drive, and floor it, and your car just shoots off like a rocket. Mm-hmm. And you're like, it's like zero to 60 now. <laughs> just like in real and, life, sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the game is just so frantic and fun. And I used to, when I got this on the Dreamcast, I was in love. Uh, this is a game I would come home and I would play for like two hours after school before I even touch schoolwork for months. I was, was going to say, was, I, I never knew this was an arcade game. I played it on the Dreamcast and I loved it. I had no idea it was an arcade game. Yes, it was arcade first. So it was built on the Naomi board, which is very similar to the Dreamcast hardware. And then when it went to Dreamcast, it ported super easily, but it also played really well on a controller. I... Outside of the arcade, I've never played this on a steering wheel, and I don't feel like I've missed out on anything. I used wow. to score like twenty, thirty thousand dollars in fares in a run, doing multiple laps around the city, and I just I couldn't get enough of this game for months. Like, I these days it takes a roguelite to do that to me, you know. Wow. Well, I was gonna say it. It. it uh, so this is Uber training. This turned people. This is how people <laughs> uh, became Uber drivers. Well, the funny thing is, apparently they just released in the last couple years a mobile game where it's a business management sim based oh, on Crazy Taxi. Oh, that's not Taxi. the same. And you're <laughs> up against some mega corporation that's supposed to be ride sharing, which is just a crack wow. up to wow. me. <laughs> I mean, kudos to them for trying to keep it fresh and, and topical yeah. and recent, but that's... that's... But, Hilarious. I mean, this this game has had numerous ports, and to me, the Dreamcast one has always been the best version. Okay. It really has. Um, the, it's just fun to 
you, you know, I mean, obviously somebody paid for it to be in there. They've got KFC, they've got Levi's, they've got Tower sure. Records. Sure. Some of these businesses don't even exist anymore, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, Is there you know, anything they're, the Dreamcast version that's missing? No, the Dreamcast added more content. They created a whole awesome. other map that's based on Los Angeles. Uh, wow. And they put in a bunch of special challenges that teach you about the gameplay. And if you complete them all, you also unlock another vehicle, another taxi. And it's a rickshaw. Oh, fun. Can you go <laughs> zero to 60 with your rickshaw? No, the rickshaw is very slow. Even when you like, it still goes way too fast for a rickshaw. Cause you're, you know, whoever you're playing as is hoofing it in front of it, carrying it <laughs> right. around. But, they're still going way too fast, and they can drift and everything. It's ridiculous. Yeah. See, had this been the PlayStation version, there would have been a code so that you can not only have a rickshaw that goes faster than anything else, like Tony Hawk and Spider-Man will be pulling it, and will make no sense, and there's moon, moon physics, but that's uh, okay. I won't, I won't be begrudging that they didn't, they didn't do that. And then there's the Carmageddon <laughs> version, where it's a rickshaw, but if you get going too fast, it has too much inertia, and it kills the puller. <laughs> right now in my in my brain canon i'm coming up with how this is the prequel to the days leading up to twisted metal speaking and, of which i think there's a movie coming out isn't there i don't know why but yes there based is. on twisted and metal i'm yes. so excited uh, and on somebody, that note if yeah. rob zombie doesn't direct that though why even do it tell me that's not a property meant for rob zombie to direct he's doing the monsters right now which i'm actually excited for but neat there were actually multiple uh attempts at making a movie out of crazy taxi and oh, ultimately wow. it never happened because there wasn't enough plot in any of the movie ideas coming forward about it didn't they do that with <laughs> Stop tom nobody cruise? before <laughs> i think it was called i think it was called collateral and it was tom cruise and then jamie fox was <laughs> no the, wasn't the, it the, the didn't they do guy? one with like chris Catan and queen latifah or something just called taxi that was Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> oh, was it Jimmy Fallon? I think so, but I, don't I never know. saw the movie, so I can't that's remember bad. which one of them it was. But that's hilarious. Like, that's a no, lack that's of not, potential that's, plot. That's silly taxi, <laughs> yeah. not crazy. Taxi. Well, no, not potential plot. Literally, plot in the movie ideas people were trying to push for it. Wow. Well, like you look at Uwe Boll, who's made. He's like the king of bad video game movies, and a lack of plot or, or bad script has never stopped him before. So I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't do. I mean, he's did Dungeon Siege and Blood Rain, and they're all terrible movies. He could have easily have done Crazy Taxi. Postal. He did Postal. <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> so. By the way, be careful because if you apparently if you badmouth Uwe Boll enough and he hears about it, he'll offer to fight you. Oh. He's apparently good. Yeah. Yeah. Can we just have him on the yeah. show instead? <laughs> yeah like we'll just verbally spar verbal jousting i like it uh so and and one last thing i want to say um and then we'll get final thoughts on this the look and aesthetic and the feel of this and this is from somebody who's not as familiar really screams less offspring and more sublime anybody else getting that <laughs> i can see I, that i feel like if this I mean, were this, a sublime track yeah I'd this game is very much rooted in like jackass late 90s crazy frantic just be out there be silly with some random concept I and i think what sega even Ooh. ran with the idea and made other games in the same vein one that was yeah. like you were driving a an ambulance and i think there was one where you were driving a fire truck <laughs> did they do the, the way, <laughs> one hit and run no yeah, that's what this is reminding me of and so okay. 
nice little tangent on that. Simpsons Hit and Run, actually, if you recall, uh, it played very similar to this, but it didn't have pedestrians jumping out of the way, mm. and it didn't have the little arrow on top pointing you where to go. Instead, it had a hand with a finger pointing. That's because oh. Sega had... Uh, Trademarked? Copyrighted? Trademarked? Yeah. Okay. Whatever Can't the term the is. Finger. I think it was copyrighted. The arrow pointing to navigate you where to go in a game. And pedestrians jumping out of the way of a moving vehicle. No, probably patents. It's ridiculous. Then. Probably. Oh patents. yeah, they patented they it. Patented That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, if anybody from the game development systems or, or, or big companies are watching, can we get an update of this? But instead of the rideshare take, can we get a very profane version of Siri or you know whoever gives you directions? I want my my you know what? or whoever to be incredibly maybe a profane. Movie. Maybe a movie could happen with this now where they are up against the ride-sharing co- mm. <laughs> drivers. There's a plot right there, yeah. Yeah, there you go. I, now I they could make guys, a movie out of it. Yeah, let's make a let's make a Press B Productions movie studio and uh, <laughs> let's put a treatment out for this. I think we can I think we can do this. Crazy taxi company yeah. trying viewers to take on all the Uber and Lyfts of drivers of the world. Viewers and listeners were copywriting that idea. Don't take it. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't steal it in the in the half hour we got here, or um, come up with a treatment and then send it to me, and then I will take credit at least partial. That's all I need. Um, right. I gotta say, like the Dreamcast version, the graphics are really good. Um, yes, better they than the are. arcade. I want to say, yeah. right? Like it looks like it's improved well, models, texturing. It looks a lot, not a lot better, but it's definitely better than the arcade, which is interesting. I think that's just because they had time to polish it because the Naomi board, uh, the Naomi arcade board, and the Dreamcast were based on the same hardware. Right. So I think it was really just a matter of they had more time to work on this as they ported it, mm. so they upped it a little bit. But yeah, this is uh, it, this is definitely one of my all-time favorite great games. I picked it up for this episode to record the gameplay, so you're seeing my shitty gameplay as far as the Dreamcast goes. I love it. And uh, I had so much fun. I was like, I want to keep playing, but I need to do other things. <laughs> <laughs> I remember right. that when I played this, and I think my <laughs> first experience was actually on the PS2. Um because I, I went to a friend's house, but then I ended up, when the Dreamcast um, started to fail, uh, Toys R Us sold them for 50 bucks. And mm-hmm. I went and bought one for 50 bucks, and then I saw that Crazy Taxi was on it. And so I like that was one of the first purchases I got. Was, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's a good story. Yeah. More people should have bought Dreamcast just because of this game, honestly. That's where I'm at. That's there how are a lot of reasons was. more people should have bought Dreamcast. There well, yeah. Of reasons. yeah. But Crazy Taxi system. is like yeah. top mm-hmm. of the list. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I love it. Okay. Uh, well, let's, <clears throat> excuse me. Jake, can we can we talk about your uh, first choice tonight? Yeah, you know what? Actually, while we're on the topic of Dreamcast, let me just switch over to mine, which is going to be Soul Calibur. <laughs> Give me a sec here as I do the buttons in the background. Yeah, so Soul Calibur is like a fantastic fighting game. And fighting games in general are making make for great ports, I guess. Um, there's a bunch of them. Right? Tekken, Tekken in the arcades was amazing. Uh, Tekken 3 ported to home was amazing. And I think this is the same with Soul Calibur as well. Yeah, I'm, I was wondering how long it would be till somebody brought up some fighting games. Because you're right. I think the genre lends itself to, to home porting in a very cool, right. very cool way. So for I, me, gonna, I had to dream... Uh, I was going to say, sorry, I'm going to preface this with, I mean, Ivy. Ah, Ivy. Isn't it <laughs> Ivy? 
Yeah. It's Ivy. Yeah. yeah. Ivy tacky. I mean, this series is known for, uh, we'll say generous proportions, although they have toned it down in recent games <laughs> and, and, and physics and physics and yeah. physics. Ivy yes. Taki, Sophidia. Um, yeah. Oh, I know what you guys are talking game. about. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so, go. sorry. Go. GP yeah. just caught go, up. Go for it. Go for it. Jake. <laughs> All right. So, so I want to say that, um, so I had a Dreamcast. I love the system. And it was, for me, it was mostly for the fighting games, right? And Soul Calibur is one of those games I used to love in arcades. So it was one of the first games I picked up for the Dreamcast. And my surprise was that, again, much like Crazy Taxi, is that Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast is better than the arcades, which is crazy to me, right? Like, the thing with arcade gaming when I was a teenager was you went to the arcades to play the coolest, the best-looking games, right? besides being a social experience, but it was also the coolest, best-sounding, best-looking, because the hardware was expensive for arcade machines. And then you have the Dreamcast, which, I mean, like, there's always the idea that, okay, the PlayStation could maybe do arcade ports that were close to the arcade, but the Dreamcast made ports that looked better, and that was always outstanding to me. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I guess for the arcade, Soul Calibur is using the System 12 engine from Sega, which I think was before Naomi. And then, of course, the Dreamcast hardware is a little bit better. But what's really great about this is that the team who made the arcade version, after they put it out in arcades, they had seven months to turn out the the, the home port on the Dreamcast. And in seven months, I think many teams could have dropped the ball or maybe not put out a great port. But these guys nailed every aspect from it. They added more levels. The stages went from being mostly flat 2D to having 3D geometry. They increased the textures. I think they redid the portraits. They even added a single-player mode. I mean, it's not a stellar mode, but the fact that they added one with quests and stuff and map and unlockables is really freaking cool. So I love Soul Calibur, and it plays fantastic. It plays just as good as the arcade at home, and it looks better. So I don't know if, if you guys have played this one before. Oh, yeah. Um, once again, another another argument for why people should have bought more Dreamcasts. Um, yeah. Uh, the Soul Calibur game on the Dreamcast was... Um, I mean, it, it to me, it's there are a few memories of the Dreamcast, and one of them it, we've nailed two of them so far. Are those um, you, the third memory that I have is going to be a really funny one? They had a billiards game that was amazing to play. I don't know that it was like I mean, it wasn't anything epic, but it was just you know multiple player anyway. But yeah, we have nailed two of like I don't know a few memories of why the Dreamcast was great right here. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a fantastic, yeah, fantastic home system that I really wish more people had jumped on board with. Like the fact that this was basically Sega's last console, right, is just crazy to me. It's such a such a strong console that just didn't get the support. I was gonna say yeah, they well, they 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 shot it out of the park, right? I mean, they really did. And then the problem is, is everybody had already started, you know, down Sony's road, right? Well, it's not just that. I I'm pretty sure. Dreamcast beat PS2 to market by like a year and a half, right? It did, yeah. And I had a bunch of friends who they loved playing Dreamcast at my house, but they were always like, I'm waiting for the PS2. I'm waiting for the PS2. Like, you guys suck. <laughs> well, Sony Sony really had changed the market with the PS1. They really had. Yeah. Um, so I mean and, I can I see mean, the, the reason for waiting, but they were wrong. Yeah, they're also wasn't a ton of confidence in the Dreamcast after the failure of the Saturn, which also I'd like to mention had a lot of good arcade ports. Well, Particularly Jake, of Sega's first party fighting games, but yeah. Jake, I, I wanted to ask what made you go with <clears throat> Soul Calibur uh, amongst the, the cadre of 
fighting games that were ported. What made you go Soul Calibur? You know, it's tough because the other game that I played a lot of in the arcades was uh, the Marvel versus games. And Marvel vs. Capcom is also one of my favorites. And it's also on the Dreamcast. But I guess there it's close enough to the arcades. I don't think it surpasses it. Whereas in this case, it's a port that surpasses the arcade. I think this is probably the turning point, at least for me anyway, where I didn't go to arcades anymore for the better graphics and sound, right? When I literally had a machine at home that could do better than the arcades. Because after this, after this point, going to the arcades didn't feel quite the same to me. Like nowadays, I mean, we all we all have kids. We know you go to Chuck E. Cheese and you play or Dave and Buster's and you play the arcade games. A lot of them don't look that good. And a lot of them don't yeah. play that great anymore. They're not really what they used to be. So I think the end of an era for me started with this, with Soul Calibur and kind of went downhill from there. Yeah, I love an arcade. I still love an arcade, except for the one that I go to is you pay, you know, an entry fee and then the games are a nickel and they're all the retro games. Yeah. And I love it. That's, That's very fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Now, my I have an older brother who who spent uh, we'll say a sum of money for an at-home custom-built cabinet with a big screen built into it and there's, you know, hookups for USB controllers and light guns and all this stuff and it has every game on every system and it, it's just this beautiful work of mm-hmm. art and every time I go over we either play basically NES or Super Nintendo games that you can use a joystick for that translate well, or we play, we still will just play the old ar- arcades, you know, X-Men, um, Captain America and the Avengers, you know, things like that, Simpsons, uh, or the fighting games. So it, I, really my, my knee jerk reaction when we said this was the episode we were going to do was to talk about fighting games. And then I, I didn't. So I'm glad that somebody did at least once. Cause you're right. There's so many to yeah. talk about. Um, for me, I was a Mortal Kombat kid, uh, and, and I feel like for that series, I feel like Street Fighter, for example, has been pretty consistent with the quality of ports that they've made. Mortal Kombat is very hit and miss when you look at one versus two versus three, uh, you know, specifically the original uh, three. But yeah, and, and I, I'm with you. Going to the arcade now is for a completely different purpose. It's to try to honestly, my wife and my kids will will get two cards because now you have to swipe cards. They'll go and play games, and then I post up at the Crossy Road game, and <laughs> w- my only function that entire day is to win tickets. And mm. that's, you know, anyway, it's not an episode about that. Ski-ball? Yeah, I don't want to say yeah. we purchased a, a sectional sofa in our basement using tickets that I've won from Crossy Road. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure if a, if a university would take, you know, tickets, I could probably send one or both my kids off for at least a two-year degree. <laughs> weird flex i know anyways <laughs> soul caliber you say very cool yeah and then sinister uh let's let's go on over to you what's let's say you yeah so it seems like we're starting with our our good ports so i will i will continue the trend so my good port example is uh afterburner 2 um interesting fact afterburner 1 never came to the u.s so we uh, we ended up getting afterburner 2 and oh. I remember, I remember actually wondering why I'd never seen Afterburner One. I have a question. So, yes, Afterburner One Arcade never came to the U.S. Is that what you're saying? I don't think it did. I don't think it did because it came to home console. I have it. Yeah, it's on Master System though. Okay. Okay. Well, I know <laughs> I don't think the arcade game ever did. So okay. Um, I, the reason I, I didn't even know it was an arcade game. Yeah. 
Well, the reason I wanted to I, I wanted to kind of bring this one up is I wanted to talk about good ports that actually became good ports, uh, even though the hardware in the arcade made you think that it would never be a good port. And the reason I brought up Afterburner Two is because there were two there were two versions. There was the upright, which was kind of the standard, but um, once again, you had instead of a instead of a joystick or a D pad. You had a, uh, a control stick that had, you know, instead of going left and right, it turned left and right. It actually rotated. Um, and then the other the other piece uh, was when you got shot or you crashed, it had a, a servo in it that would shake the stick. Yeah. So the you rumble felt feature, that, rumble yeah, pad, yeah. 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 But like on drugs compared to like today, like this thing would like shake your hand. <laughs> like you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. Like I'm wrecking into the ground. Was it like so. those get electrocuted video or machines that you just hold on to both and it vibrates so fast you feel like you're getting shocked? Uh, I remember those. I remember those. No, this was this was a it was it was more violent in a slower frequency. Like it had it was just a greater throw on the shake. Oh, right? okay. Um, and for okay, those it's... that are watching the video, I'm sorry that looked like a that looked like an obscene gesture I just made on the video. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is it's it's basically a wooden roller coaster in the palm of your hand. It is. It is yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, the other piece that it had was um, you know a throttle that was a, a wow. you know a throw a throw throttle up and down. Um, and so as you can imagine, oh. And then the other arcade was one of those complete cell, like enclosed. You sat in the arcade device. Right. I remember the warnings on the side of this thing that specifically said, like, if you are standing, if there is pressure on this plate, it will stop the arcade game because it, it didn't want anybody putting their foot where it could get smashed by this thing. Oh, but sure, it would, for sure. Neat. It, would, it, it had servos, uh, both X and Y and Z, X, X and Y. Anyway. Um, and you would, if you, you know, if you went left, it would tilt you left. If you went right, it would tilt you right. Um, and, and to a degree back and forth as well, too, it would tilt back and forth. Um, yeah, I saw that in the video that you, yeah, have, that we have going in the background. That was really cool. Very yeah, cool. from 1987, so, which is mind blowing. Wow, 87, wow. They do all that motion and vibration and controls in 1987. Right. They don't do that anymore. Yeah. Seriously. And I remember the the one thing I loved, uh, you know, because I played the upright more often than not, because most arcades had the upright because it was cheaper. But when I found the, you know, the the actual cockpit version, um, it had it had a danger light when you had lock on when somebody oh, was wow. locked onto you, and that entire interior turned bright red when it would come on, like it was, it was incredible. So the reason I wanted to bring this up as a good port is because. They brought this to the Genesis slash um, uh, Mega Drive, and it ended up on um, a number of of top fifty lists, and um, and and played incredibly well. Now, the one thing that they that they kind of I think uh, did to get away with some of the lack of controls with the you know the three buttons was it basically in the um, in the Genesis version your uh um bullet your your the bullet gun whatever you call it anyway is always fire like you don't have a button for it so it's always mm. firing oh. but all of your other wow. buttons yeah um and then of course your afterburner so the throttle 
was you know one of the buttons you had to hold it to to make your afterburner increase and you know the missiles etc but um even though the graphics were probably a little bit you know lower quality because once again this was the era where arcade games had um you know higher higher you know processing speeds and more memory it's i'm gonna say it's like 90 percent of the graphics of the arcade Mm. and so um and then I want to touch also because I, as part of thinking of this, I was thinking of other games where it was a good port despite the hardware in the arcade and um, Missile Command. So Missile Command in the arcade, you had the trackball. Classic, yeah. Yeah. And so you had a ball that would move on the X and Y axis and you could you could wing that thing and fly your, your little you know crosshairs around the screen as fast as possible. And so when I played that on the... Um, 2600 back in the day with a joystick um they really did bring that port as a as a quality port they slowed it down so that you could with a joystick make the you know the crosshairs make it in time but once again a good port despite the hardware difference Hmm. yeah very cool um i gotta i gotta say like you're right when you say that it's like 90 percent of the way there and that's what genesis was always great with back then is taking a lot of sega's arcade games and bringing them home, right? Like Alter Beast, I mean, looking back now, maybe a little bit rough, but back then, very close to the arcade. It really was close. Golden Axe, very similar. Golden Axe, yeah. Was it Forgotten Worlds? There's a lot of great of the early Genesis titles are very faithful to the arcade. And I love the Genesis for that because a lot of these Sega games were classics in the arcade. But um, Afterburner, right. I, I remember playing Afterburner. The machine did not move. <laughs> maybe it was a safety thing. They turned it off. <laughs> but I don't, if they, had I had a chance to play it, it would have been amazing to see that. Did they take it to Canada and they're like, this is going to injure children and turned it off? It's just not safe. Yeah. No, you know, honestly, I bet you that's what it was. Because I was watching that video. It is so dynamic and it's so freaking cool and awesome. I would have loved to play that. I'd like to play that today. I wonder if these Mm -hmm. things even exist anymore. I'd love to play it. I know I think Arcade 1UP did a small version of it, but I somehow doubt it moves. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there were a number of flying games where you sat in the cockpit and right. like the one, the one of value that you had was like the seat had like an adjustment so you could move forward or like slide yeah. it forward or backwards, right? But yeah, yeah. this one, there's none of, servos, none of this rocking yeah. back and forth uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's insane to see that. That's amazing, especially for a game like Afterburner, where when you play it at home, you almost get sick because of how fast yeah. you turn. Add in a motion chair. Yeah, I'd love to play that. That's amazing. That's <laughs> actually probably what I'm going to do after this episode is I'm going to throw in the Oculus, find that video. And then just sit in the old lazy boy <laughs> and change my whole outlook on life. Before we move on to bad ports, I would like to throw an honorable mention to Virtual On for the Saturn. Because mm. um, I played that game uh, in the arcades. But the first time I saw it in the arcade was actually like you sit in it and it's got the dual flight sticks mm-hmm. yeah. and you're just zooming around doing everything. And it was wild. I absolutely loved it. Um, so when I got the chance to get it on the Saturn, I was all for it. And I was super excited. And hey, fundamentally, the experience is very different because you're playing with a single D-pad right. and a few buttons. But the gameplay is still really, really good and a ton of fun. And the challenge is still there. It's just different because the play style is different. But the game is just there and it looks good, plays great. Awesome. So once again, despite the hardware, it was a good port. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, I tell you what, here's, if you guys are okay with this, here's how I would like to do the second half is let's just go reverse order. So we'll go Sinistar. If you want to start us with your, sure. your negative one, and then we'll, we'll go all the way back around and then we'll I'll, sure. I'll close this out. So I think I picked um, what, what arguably, maybe not arguably, but is kind of the, the epitome of a bad port. Like, this makes <laughs> this makes videos. This makes lists. This makes this is even this is even uh, included in um, part of the blame of the video game crash of the eighties. It is included oh, wow. in as part of that. Now, a lot of people say it was ET that finished it off, but um, my game, my poor port or my bad port is Pac Man. Yeah, is Pac Man oh. for the Atari twenty six hundred. So bad. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, Pac-Man is a, is, is one of those games that, you know, I, I'm, oh, I'm hard pressed to find anybody that doesn't know Pac-Man, right? I mean, it was, especially anybody that had there consciousness in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I say consciousness cause my little brother was born in 85. He doesn't remember this game. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those games that you see on, uh, you know, the arcade speed runs and we're talking speed runs to crash screen, right? How quickly right. can you get to the crash screen? Uh, because this game is endless. There's no actual ending until you actually run the machine out of memory and crash it. So, but once again, okay. So um, if you're, if you're listening later, um, you know, you can go look up a video if you haven't played the arcade Pac-Man, but the arcade Pac-Man is a, uh, it's a vertical instead of a horizontal screen. Um, by the way, which also worked incredibly well for the sit down cabinets in the two player mode. Yeah. Um, but, um, you'll notice oh, if the you, cocktail tables, the cocktail tables. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, if you play it in, so then the, in the arcade, um, the four ghosts, there are four ghosts and two of them have one search pattern and two of them have another search pattern. You can look it up on how they chase you. Um, there is, uh, I mean, it looks, it looks, the pellets look actually round or, or at least, you know, square. And, um, if, if you watch when you eat the ghosts, when you use the power pellet and you eat the ghosts, they actually return immediately. Once they go into the little, the little, uh, you know, gen the ghost generation square, they do return immediately. So here comes 1982. And everybody is enjoying this game in the arcades. It is one of the greatest arcade games of the era. And uh, Atari says, you know, this is, I think, I think it was actually, they called it Year of the Pac-Man. And so they decided to do a port. And, and, and this is, Jake, you brought up that, um, you know, the, the, um, uh, the team that did Soul Calibur, it was the team that did Soul Calibur that, that ported it which is an advantage right off the bat. Right. The port for the Atari 2600 was thrown at one guy. And they said and they and he didn't have any access to to the existing intellectual property. So he basically built this from the ground up and he had 6 months. They also okay. gave him one of the half-size Atari cartridges because it was cheaper to produce. So he <laughs> he ended up having to put this thing into 4 kilobytes. This entire game oh, into man. 4 kilobytes. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So basically you, you now notice that this game is horizontal instead of vertical. The, uh, the, 
the uh, the pellets are now rectangular and the same color as the wall. And the reason why is because of limitations of the hardware. And then the other thing that a lot of people notice, and um, you'll if you watch the video uh, during the podcast or go back and watch this on our YouTube channel, you'll notice there are times that I die and it looks like there is no ghost there. I played this on my CRT monitor <clears throat> on my mister. And the way that they draw the ghosts is they are drawn each in sequence at the frequency of oh, the display. I just saw so wow. ghosts flicker yeah. into existence for one uh, frame and disappear yeah. again. Yep. So they <laughs> always, the ghosts are always flickering. So oh, anyway, man. complete change of map, complete change. I mean, you know, reduced hardware, uh, uh, you know, strength of hardware, etc. And they, um, it, here's the interesting thing even though it is in the list of games that are blamed for the crash, the video game crash of the eighties, it is still the highest selling Atari 2600 game to date. <laughs> marketing, wow, right? That's it's just marketing. Wild. Spending. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so it sold, it sold like 8 million copies, but just absolutely oh. trashed in reviews. And I so, can't look like, at that video anymore. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. Can I just say now, something we, on this one? Yeah. So uh, first off with this port, you're right. It's so bad. It is. This is one of the worst Atari games. I love the <laughs> 2600. I really do. And I know I sometimes talk about games with me, the rose tinted glasses on. But when you compare this to like Miss Pac-Man, which is also in the mm. 2600, Miss Pac-Man is actually a good Atari game. It may, it may look similar to this Pac-Man, but it plays much better. In Pac-Man, if you let go of the joystick, you stay still, don't you? <laughs> In the arcade, you stay in motion. Yeah, you stay in motion until you press a direction. Right. Now, so you can just, press the same wildly. direction and stop. Oh, okay. Yeah. But what killed, like, I will say, like, the idea of taking the display, the refresh rate, and, like, using that to, to split your sprites, I give him credit for using everything available to him with such right. limited resources to make it have three ghosts. But it just wild to me that's how he did it. Right. But yeah, this game looks so bad, but it plays so bad. And I know it's not the Atari's fault because Miss mm. Pac-Man, the Atari, is is right. actually a really great game. That's the one I had as a kid. So it's just well, they probably they probably used because they had the 4K carts, which were the cheaper, and then they had 8K carts that they could do. So they probably used an 8K cart for Miss Pac-Man. The other thing, and this now. is something mm. this is something that doesn't come across in our podcast, but if you go play this in an emulator or on an original hardware or something, the audio is entirely different and wrong. Mm. <laughs> like you you lose the waka 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 that everybody knows for Pac-Man, and all you get is as he eats pills, you get this bonk, bonk as he <laughs> eats the pills. <laughs> Okay, so what you're saying is it's the Wily Wars of, of Pac-Man. Ah, <laughs> uh, you beat me to it. Is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, in, in honor of Chard not being here, I will go ahead and make the metaphor. Uh, this is like the guy who had to design the Mega Man One box art. <laughs> He's probably not wrong compared to what they told him, but if they didn't give this person a single frame or layout or picture to look at to get this thing started, they're like, okay. There's, you know, this, the four walls, there's this maze, you've got uh, a loop, you know, uh, on either side. Of course, they, they put the loop there at the top and the bottom and not the left and the right. Right. Or it's like telling a caricature artist, oh, yeah, this guy has a nose, a couple of ears, some eyes and a chin. Get to work. Or like a police sketch artist. That's what I'm, I'm searching for. 
Can you yeah, imagine? The, the, the developer, I can't remember his name. Um, Fry is his name. That's right. Um, I, I swear, uh, yes. Yeah. Nice. I swear he went to the arcade, played it for 10 minutes. He's like, I got this. And then went <laughs> home. Right? Like, and then when he got home, he's telling his wife about it and he's describing it. And it's that game of telephone. Yeah. And then he goes back to his wife later. He's like, what did I say about this part? She's like, oh, yeah, there's a tunnel and it's at the top and the bottom. Right. And he goes, ow, <laughs> ow, ow. What was that noise again? Ow. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I got to ask, though, like, why is the Atari version have a blue background and yellow walls? Like, it, the Atari can do black because <laughs> the original arcade was blue walls and black background. Why? Yeah, why the bright blue old. eyesore? I don't get it. Well, Once there was again, also... I think he played it 10 minutes and went home and wrote it. Yeah, because <laughs> there was band. black at the bottom of the screen where the score is. So there was black mm-hmm. on yeah. the screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Artistic I mean, it is. I guess. I think I think he did the best that he could, especially when he had to develop this in 4K of of, of space, right? I mean, yeah. I really do you think say, he did the best that he could. You say that, but my 4K TV looks a bit better. <laughs> All right, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I don't understand technology. <laughs> it's actually more of a bonk. It's donk, oh my bad donk. <laughs> It's pretty awful. Like you're right. I'm gonna like, need wow. a clip. I, I need a clip of, of Sinistar going <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I love everything that you say all the time. I my job is done. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh Sig Jake, should we move on to yours, sir? Yeah, sure. Um okay, actually. You were talking. You actually mentioned it earlier, GP. My uh, my pick for bad port is Mortal Kombat Three. Ah, and I say very that, cool. and, and I'm gonna say that, and I don't. I feel like I'm the Genesis apologist <laughs> of the podcast crew because well, I actually like what? the apologist. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I like <laughs> I like Mortal Kombat Three on the Genesis quite a bit. It's it's I wouldn't call it a favorite game, but I think as a fighting game, it's pretty fantastic. But yeah, there's no way that the Genesis can completely compared to the arcade game um and i know a lot of people dump on the genesis game quite a bit for the downscaled graphics and maybe the limited frames of animation and it just it does not look nearly as good i think even the frames is not as high as the arcade but regardless i still think Mortal Kombat on the genesis is fantastic i think the genesis controller or at least the six button controller makes sense and is, is workable for Mortal Kombat. but i mean now that i look at the gameplay of it as we do the video and it just it does not look nearly nearly as good as the arcade. So, I mean, GP, you said you you were dumping on on Mortal Kombat a bit earlier. What part of the Genesis version did you not like so much? Because did well, you think the gameplay gonna... was good? Okay, so as far as Mortal Kombat goes, with the exception of Mortal Kombat Two, I actually favor the Genesis versions for MK One and MK Three. Uh, I'm with okay. you. I think the six button configuration is the way to go for Mortal Kombat. I think MK2 for the Super Nintendo is kind of this rare home run that is somehow a sum greater than its parts. You know what I mean? So I can't really explain 2, but 2 is great for the Super. 1 and 3 for the Genesis, I absolutely... Uh, I lean Genesis for that. I still like the arcades better, but yeah, they're they're good ports. Well, if you're talking Mortal Kombat 1 in, my in, opinion. Particular, in particular, the port for the Super Nintendo 
was oh, yeah. was outright bad like nintendo but, basically yeah. was like we can't have vi- like this level of violence and blood i think they didn't they take out the fatalities and then they turned the blood green yes. or something they changed yeah. the uh, fatalities, was, right yeah it, yeah jake's right sweat was what they were calling yeah. it for yeah instead <laughs> but of it was like green and then uh, yeah it was like this kind of weird tan color uh or green yeah and then i think it was sub-zero they they faded to black and then you just heard like the, the blood or the bone ripping sound yeah. and then maybe a scream. I don't remember. So, yeah, one. You're right. Outright. But uh, Genesis much better. Genesis wins on that one. Now, did Nintendo give up on that with the later ports of, of Mortal Kombat? They weren't as cranky or picky on the censorship in this on the other versions. Um, also, I think by then Mortal Kombat 2 and 3 were a little bit more fantasy i guess and because Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. one is fairly realistic with the graphics and the way it was portrayed sure. two and three are not nearly as realistic i mean it's still a very gory video game either way but i think by that point the shock of, of Mortal Kombat was over plus also Mortal Kombat one is what kind of spawned the er was it the rs was ESRB. it ERSB? Mm-hmm. esrb yeah. thank you for the ESRB. games ratings ESRB, so once yeah. that came out at least then the business the industry was kind of pointing like look it's rated m for mature don't buy this for your kids and so I think by two came around, it was a bit of a different situation. So. Right. Well, well, and also there's a, a, a bit of the illusion is lost when you uppercut somebody, they explode and they have 14 <laughs> rib cages. Exactly. And like 38 <laughs> femurs. Wait, well, you, guys, yeah. you guys don't, Sega? you guys don't have 14 rib cages. <laughs> I'm not, uh, okay. I would never body shame anybody. I think centaurs, <laughs> by the way, are beautiful creatures, even though they have two rib cages. Think about it. But yeah, oh, uh, no. <laughs> oh shit! Did no. you not realize that? No, I that's not realize that either. Now. Oh wow! Go, go look at Otaro. Two rib cages. Yeah. I don't know how many nipples. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> Questions that Sega does not want you to ask. Didn't so any Sega particular... sort of uh, make their own rating system before the ESRB too, because of Mortal Kombat? Like they wanted to be ahead of that. I don't know. Really? You know what surprised me? I, because I they, they were always I, pointing this as like the adult system or the older kid system, right? Mm-hmm. And they're pushing that Sega. Sega's more mature than what the Nintendo was doing. So that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Plus they had two different uh, hotlines that you could call in. Uh, one was for game tips at 99 cents a minute. And the other, I don't remember what that was about, but it was closer to three ninety nine a minute. Mm. So. Yeah, they had the video game rating council. Okay. I by the way, that was okay. just a joke. I, I don't know I, that about Sega. Yeah. And don't at me is all I'm saying. Yeah, because of <laughs> games like Night Trap, Lethal Enforcers, mm. and Mortal Kombat is why they did it. Oh, what's that really so they, gory? They had general audiences, so GA, MA thirteen mm. for mature audiences, MA seventeen right. for more mature audiences, and NYR for not yet rated. So Slaughterhouse. That's what yeah, I'm slaughterhouse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, slaughterhouse, yeah, classic. Although classic. Night, night trap, of course, is brought up as notorious as well. Yeah. So the last thing I want to say about Mortal Kombat Three, yeah. Uh, last thing I'd bring up is that I also played the second one a lot because that's the version I had access to, right, outside mm-hmm. of an arcade. Um, I don't know if Mortal Kombat Three ever emulated well. I'm sure it's on main. It's got to be. But I don't think I ever had a chance to play it on MAME at home. So it's actually one of the cores for the Mister that I'm most looking forward to. I heard a guy is working mm-hmm. on the Mortal Kombat engines or cores for mm-hmm. the Mister. And I'm going to play the hell out of Mortal Kombat 3 when that eventually comes out. Because to play that with the actual arcade graphics 
it's just i'm looking for so forward to it it just <laughs> looks amazing their uh mortal kombat as a series also has a lot of really cool rom hacks where you can take some of the features from the later games like three where you can run and execute combos and they've added that to like mortal kombat one mm. which is insane and, and brilliant and uh some of them not all of them uh are not as well done but a lot of the a lot of the rom hacks are pretty dope and pretty smooth yeah nice and i'm sorry i feel like i was talking over uh, for a second sinistar i'm good i'm good okay cool uh should we go over to wolf then yeah who wants yeah. more crazy taxi <laughs> what we <laughs> already talked about crazy taxi also yeah, yeah i'll take the second dose so uh four years after the original arcade release somebody decided this thing needed to be on the game boy advance of course <laughs> now <laughs> can you imagine somebody trying to make crazy taxi for the super nintendo because that's basically what this was <laughs> right wow. right they, and the, to their credit, it actually is a full 3D world. Textures on the buildings and the road and everything, right? They put mm -hmm. both of the maps that were in the Dreamcast game in this. So it's got the San Francisco and the LA maps. They just call them City 1 and 2. But the gameplay is super slow. The hitboxes are terrible. So you never know when you're going to hit a car or not. And, you know, in Crazy Taxi, the idea is to narrowly avoid collision right <laughs> sometimes oh, yeah. you think oh i'm gonna miss this car and then boom and you slow down and that car goes swirling off in a direction oh man I'm watching, I'm watching the video footage and the burnout uh uh you know imagery the burnout sprites are awful, awful. oh the little yeah. fire under the tires uh -huh. when you yeah, get the boost so yeah uh -huh. But You're not, not kidding. Only... We say slow. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's slow. So, it's like stun FX slow. <laughs> there's and there's not a ton of people to pick up in this game, so you're. It is impossible to recreate a route from the Dreamcaster arcade version on the GBA. It just doesn't mm. exist. Um, it's it sends you back and forth constantly. The game knows that it's super slow, and so they give you and and janky. So they give you way more time to get things done. I think I played for like 20, 30 minutes uh, getting up to over $20,000. And this is the first time I've played this game, right? <laughs> well, not the first. I played it way back when on my buddy's GBA and I was like, no. But I remembered, yeah. so I went back for it for this. And uh, yeah, I played for like 20 minutes and got enough to like twice the amount you need to unlock the second city and then I just let the game sit there and run out of time because I would have just kept going and going. It was not <laughs> difficult once you have a feel for how the game works. But it's so slow. And all the music is like bad midis inspired <laughs> by like a single riff from the Offspring or Bad Religion songs that are originally in the game. So like you can tell like this song was kind of inspired by one riff from the Bad Religion song and it mostly repeats that over and over. But it's like the you know, the, the copyright free version of that riff. It's <laughs> wow. how was it going from an analog stick on the, on the dreamcast to a D pad? <laughs> <laughs> this game gave me such a bad hand cramp. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh. Because essentially there's, you know, four buttons at most, depending on the way you set up the play style. Right. Um, and it's, it's so bad. 
And I do remember having that issue on the GBA. It's it's probably not as bad on a wide GBA, but on an SP, which is where I played it, mm. you know, your hands are like little dinosaur mode, mm-hmm. <laughs> little T-Rex shapes. <laughs> and by the time you're done, you can't move them. It's like that episode of uh, Friends where Chandler's playing Pac-Man for three days and then his hand <laughs> is just stuck in the claw. You have to, you, have to, you have to have your friend or your significant other like peel your hands off of the the, the <laughs> yeah, GBA. basically. Like and, I can't I mean, let I was, go of this. I was playing on a on an SN30. Like that's mm. how I was playing, and I was still cramping oh, wow. up. It's ridiculous. Wow. Um, you mentioned but, the maps during this game from the Dreamcast. Is it the same? Is it the exact same map layout? I know the pedestrians is probably yeah. different, but is the map layout the, the same? It is. The map layout okay. is exactly the same. It's got all the same that's, locations. The, well, that's good. The, that's an accomplishment. The that's restaurant, the clothing, st- like they're all nondescript in this. So it's not Levi's right. and K- KFC and Tower Records. It's the record store. It's, you know, <laughs> it's all those. The but chicken restaurant. It has all the locations. <laughs> and it's, you can, apparently you can up the amount of traffic. I was afraid to do that because I th- thought the game would just get worse. Right. But uh, yeah, it's. It's not a great game. Uh, technologically, it's a fucking marvel. Because yeah, <laughs> I was going to say it. it they basically me. put it on the GBA. Like, yeah. for all intents and purposes, this is probably not nearly as bad a port as Pac-Man. Like, far from it. Right, right. They actually made a playable game that reflects <laughs> the idea. But it's just still, <clears throat> if you go from one to the other, it hurts. <laughs> could you could you imagine if they'd given that the the Atari Pac-Man treatment? Hey guy, you ever been to to L.A.? No, <laughs> great, you're in. <laughs> hey, go take a trip to L.A. for ten minutes and then come right. back and write this game. Yeah, and I got a friend who's going to tell you about it, and then you can make the game off that. The director of this game said this was probably the most advanced handheld game ever created at the time. Well, there's like, technological. Well, okay, not advanced. <laughs> Technologically challenging. Hmm. I mean, let me pull up the reviews for Mortal Kombat Annihilation real quick, and, and I'll prove a point. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it can be done on handheld because they did it. First off, they did it on the GBA before it went to PSP, and right. you know, the PSP game was actually pretty good. It also cramped up your hand really bad. I have that too, but at least that one. Um, it didn't have the original soundtrack, but you could put your original, you could put the old soundtrack in it if you wanted. There was a way to add your own music. Oh, cool. But yeah, this, this GBA game is just such a mess. And it's weird because some of the locations even got renamed in ways that are unnecessary. Like you've got the, the cable car stop at the top of the hill and the bottom of the hill. The Dreamcast game, they're called top and bottom, right? Cable car stop top, cable car stop bottom in gba they call them a and b for some reason well they didn't want to associate tops and bottoms well <laughs> yeah sure city Pretty one instead of being called la is just called illinois well okay so in to to that point in the dreamcast game it was called uh arcade and original for the san francisco yeah. and la maps um later they were referred to i think west coast and I don't know what the other one was, but (laughs) I will say that this game is impressive. Like doom on the super Nintendo is impressive. 
right? The fact oh, that they can yeah. do with 3D maps, two 3D maps actually, on the Game Boy Advance is pretty amazing. But again, much like Doom on the Super Nintendo, it's not bad, but it's not great either. It's it's impressive <laughs> that they can do a 3D 3D map, but yeah, I, yeah. So if you bad. guys, <laughs> here's here's what I kept rem- reminiscing about while I was playing this, and maybe reminisce isn't the right the right word, but. Um, did you guys ever play Faceball 2000 on the SNES? No. <laughs> on the Game <laughs> I Boy, kept getting yes. Faceball 2000 vibes from this game. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to go look this game up. Yeah. Yes, you should. It is a ridiculous first-person shooter where every single character in the game is a smiley face of some sort. And I, I got to say, I got to show love to Jake here. The way that you said that about this game is impressive and the way... The, that Doom was impressive on the Super Nintendo. It took me back to a conversation my grandma had with me uh, when I learned to tie my shoes. Tying your shoes is not a very impressive thing, she said to me, GP, which is what she called me. But she said the fact that you learned to tie your shoes is is pretty impressive. So, uh, yeah, respect. I get that. Good job. Miss you, Grandma. <laughs> you make these jokes, but my grandmother actually says horrible things to us. <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't realize they're as horrible as they are the day yeah. we realize we're actually related all right so uh if it's okay i'll just go ahead and take this out there's not much really to be said about mine i kind of my my game here would land a little bit differently or hit a little bit harder if you guys had make, made such good points about your first games uh wolf and and jake specifically mine is contra which again is kind of reversing what the assignment was. I'm sorry. The NES version is so much better than the arcade version. And for the longest time, I thought to myself, it's because I have nostalgia for the NES and I hold that game at such a high esteem that anything wasn't going to hold up. But I think if I were to try to remove myself from that thought, arcade Contra just sucks. Well, does it though? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, <laughs> it's, it's not, a pretty it's not bad. It's okay. a pretty wildly different game. It is. It, it is. Yeah, it looks, I mean, I'm watching. I'm watching the videos, and the graphics are better. Yeah, that's I, what I'm saying. they it looks are good. It, it looks. Good. It sounds different. terrible. Yeah, it sounds horrible. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> yeah, and it, that's. Uh, I feel bad because I love the Genesis, but it sounds like a Genesis game. But like they used all the worst sound aspects from the Genesis to make the soundtrack <laughs> for this. Like, no, I'm I'm saying I love Genesis. I've got a shelf of Genesis games back behind me. I I'm a Sega boy. Like, that's that. But you say this, Jake is our you, apologist. You tear it by heart yes. week after week. I mean, look, they can't all sound as great as Wily Wars, but but yes, this game does not sound great either. But I, I think it looks great. I think I think the NES one is definitely GP right better for sure sure yeah. but graphic wise the arcade one does look really good is, is there I, lack of levels in, the, in this one compared to the nes like the nes add stuff to it is that why you like it so much or just, is it just nostalgia well I, you know again i apparently i guess i'm alone on this one so maybe i am having a hard time withdrawing myself from the idea of no it's just a nostalgia but for me the movement of it plays different it's clunkier the proportions for the characters and and the shot you know all, everything is a bit off. It's, uh, you know, not yeah. to use the telephone thing because whoever ported it to the NES nailed it and improved on it, in my opinion, my estimation of it. 
but I feel like if you were to play these two, it's like, okay, somewhere somebody got the the assignment a little bit wrong. They, they crossed their wires. And what we got on the NES happened to be kind of a, a happy instance. But here, if you're looking at the video, you know, the jump and the flip, everything is kind of like moon graphics. Not to say that the graphics on the NES were at all, or the physics were at all like it would be in real life. But it's just, it feels so clunky and it looks and feels like there's lag constantly. Even yeah, if there's okay. lack of frame. I see I'm what you're saying. Sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit that the jump, the spinning jump looks better on the NES. It does. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But like, I don't know, the sprites look more realistic in the arcade. But now, the jump is the jump is wrong. I, I'll I'll admit that. Okay. Well, to your point, yes. But I would also like to say, any character that doesn't have a face is not going to look super realistic. So the NES guys, they just <laughs> don't have a face. So you you're absolutely correct there. Look at the color palette on some of this stuff. The arcade is is wild, and it's just it may you know maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, maybe it is just a nostalgia. But I think no, the I, arcade I version is not a very good game. I, well. <laughs> I I can't speak to that because I've not played it, but I will mm. say based on what I see of the arcade game and what I've played of the NES game, the NES game is a terrible port, but for the it's right a great game. Yeah, yeah, much like go. Rygar right. for the NES. It's a terrible port of the arcade game, but it's a pretty damn good Fine, game. Yeah. 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 Like if somebody said, here's a recipe for, you know, this really tasty sauce and they got the recipe slightly wrong, but the sauce was better. Mm, yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Metaphor. I, th I think, I think GP, you're right. <laughs> it metaphor? controls better on the NES and the, the animations are better on NES. It's mm -hmm. missing some of the, the graphic fidelity, but I think you're right. This does play a ton better on the NES. It, that's actually a very interesting pick. I like this one. Yeah, okay. I do too. I, again, I like, it, it's. I like the inverse pick. I do. Okay, cool. Yeah. That was either going to hit or it was going to miss, and I'm glad that at the, the point I think it's landed, great. So. I think it's great. Cool, cool, cool. Well, guys, I, I think we did it. I think that's the. Uh, I think we successfully podcast. Can I uh, throw one <laughs> out there at you guys real quick? Um, because when we were first talking about this concept, I kind of wanted to throw Minecraft Dungeons in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it throws the idea the other way around. It's a PC game that was later ported to arcades. And I didn't supply Jake with any video of this because I wasn't going to talk on it much. But I mean, that's um, kind of where we are in the world, though, right? Is like yeah. computer hardware is highly advanced at this point enough that it, it would actually be cost prohibitive to try to make an arcade game with the same hardware, right? Right. Yeah. Like, well, they need to what? they need to figure out a way to do a single board computer version of what we have at home, right? So right. you're saying demake it to an arcade essentially yeah that's, that's a crazy concept what a time to be alive so <laughs> minecraft dungeons is a literal port of a game to the arcade it is an arcade port it's awesome <laughs> it's awesome but also yeah, so not only that but they changed up the gameplay a lot like we we know of minecraft dungeons as a diablo like right right um the arcade version felt a little bit more like uh uh a Maybe a multiplayer beat em up with some gauntlet funk rubbed on it. I was gonna say it's it it, it had a little funk. gauntlet taste to me when I yeah when I like it the up. later gauntlet games, not the early the ones, funk. but the later ones. Yeah, so it's <laughs> but it was really cool, and yeah. the fact that like you don't really find too much equipment in the game, 
you end up powering up the equipment that you have that you choose to equip with the card that they give you every time you put in a quarter for a play. so cool. Which is neat. neat. They've got yeah. a collectible yeah, card a cool thing going on with this with like 63 different cards or something like that. Yeah, that was so a cool idea. Really neat concept. Changes the game almost fundamentally, but it's still a lot of fun. Even my wife was getting into it and she's not a gamer. Like yeah. it was me, the kiddo and the wife play it at uh, whatever arcade we were at. And it was just really cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. There we go. I, I think, guys, I think we did it. <laughs> <laughs> First try. No, I'm glad that you mentioned that, actually, because I, I never would have played Minecraft Dungeons had it not been for my kids. Uh, my wife and I took the kids to an escape room. And outside of this escape room was an arcade that had that. And we started playing it. And honest to God, I don't remember which escape room we did that night. But I remember, you know, I remember <laughs> you the arcade remember playing Minecraft Dungeons and getting the cards and stuff. So, yeah, it's cool, no, right? I think that's, that's a, very cool. So that was a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. It, and then, it makes course, an like impact said, on you. Yeah, and which is and what thinking you want. that, at, yeah, and to think that we are technologically at the the, the place where you would have to demake something to put it back to arcade levels is <laughs> is absurd. Well. It's interesting because, like, our, like we said earlier, arcades are totally different than they were in the '90s, right? Even mm-hmm. the early 2000s. Like, when you go to a Chuck E. Cheese today, you'll see a Doodle Jump game with a giant joystick. Doodle Jump is one of the first generation of mobile games that was popular, and it's an arcade machine now. Mm-hmm. I, I trying to gra- grasp my head around that one is insane to me. Like, it seems like arcade machines these days are just either giving tickets or the gameplay is so frivolous. I want to say not that. Arcade games would be especially deep back in the day, but it feels like the ones that are in Chicken Cheese and Dave Buster's today are not nearly as in depth. Like there was a recent uh, Ninja Turtles game for the arcades that got released a few years back by Raw Thrills, which it runs on a PC, I found out, which was shocking to me, although maybe it shouldn't be. But it's only like three or four stages. It's incredibly short and a very shallow arcade game. And that's mm-hmm. almost criminal because we all, I think we all love the original 90s Konami Ninja Turtles arcade games. And to see another company make it a modern version of it and just not be good is disappointing. And like to see advertisements for ticket nodes, uh, a ticket mode is available for this port. And like, I don't want to see tickets in a Ninja Turtles game. I don't want to get prizes from this thing. <laughs> but it's just, it's just a different state. It's an odd state of, of affairs for arcades. They're totally different than when we were kids. And it's kind of weird. Sad, I guess. Well, you, you brought up TMNT. Um just for those that may be watching at some point, we're trying to put together uh, some, some uh, press B play of shredders revenge, which just came out. So watch for that. It's good too. Yeah. GP you're muted. You're GP, muted. You're, GP. You're muted. It is GP. You're muted. <laughs> uh, no, we can't hear you, man. What'd you do? Uh Oh, we, we lost GP's our host. Minutes. <laughs> Yep, that's it's the nineties. He's out of minutes. Yeah. All well, right, he just well. said he just said wrap up for him. So <laughs> Okay, well uh, let me just say then real quickly, just that we are press B to cancel. You can be our audio podcast. You can find us on Stitcher and Apple and Google Podcasts, <laughs> Amazon Music and all these various places. Anywhere you listen to your audio podcasts. But uh, but also we're on YouTube. We uh, live stream on Friday evenings at 8 30 PST, 5 30 Pacific. And of course you can find those VODs on YouTube as well. And I, I, I'm Sinistar. Where can folks find you? Uh, I am now back to streaming on Mondays, most Mondays on Twitch, Sinistar77. I'm currently still building Optimus Prime. I probably have a couple more episodes of that. 
Awesome. And Werewolf, where can folks find you? Just here. Just here for now. Here's good. <laughs> and uh, I'm Sick Jake. You can find me sometimes on Twitch, but mostly on Twitter and also here. And of course, we have our wonderful host, GP, who's unfortunately muted, but you can find GP on Twitter uh, and here mostly and occasionally on, uh, well, hopefully on Twitch in the, in the future. But if not, you can find them here on Pressby and on Twitter. You, you right. got anything for us? You got anything for us, Wolf? Any port in a storm. Though sometimes it's okay if you just hang out in the storm.